Well, good morning and welcome to Easter Online. Stoked that we get to be in your home here today as we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever been in a place where you set up some expectation around people around you or circumstances around you, and maybe you found yourself in some places where people didn't live up to those expectations, you got frustrated, and maybe you wrote a few people off in that process or wrote a circumstance off. You, you walked away from something in the middle of that process. You know, I think about my own life where I had all these expectations around what marriage would be. I mean, for me, I'm thinking, man, life with Heather, every single day, we're waking up and we're loving and super graceful with each other. All the faults and failures never compromised how we treated each other. Now, a wife that would wake up and, you know, make breakfast every single morning, she would do all these incredible things for me. Now, what I found out very quickly inside of marriage is that marriage is a lot different than maybe my expectation. And in that frustration and that disappointment, I really had to come back to a place of like, okay, well, maybe I had some false expectations and that distance between my expectations and reality, I I could live in disappointment and frustration that would cause chaos in my marriage, or I could look at reality and say, cool, this isn't necessarily the way marriage is. And you know, I think about Looking through this lens as I look at Easter, the the times inside of our lives where we have expectations that aren't necessarily the reality in which we live in, our personal desires on the way we want things to go, and when things don't come out the way we expect them to, or people don't live up to our expectation, all that frustration, that distance in between uh, expectation and reality, and, and looking through this lens at Easter. I mean, I look and put myself in, I would ask you to put yourself in the position of, you know, maybe a Jewish person uh, at the time when Jesus was living. I mean, all of these countless prophecies, multiple prophets that have come and talked about the Messiah that would come, the, the, all these messianic prophecies that were given on this man that would come and reestablish the kingdom here on earth. I mean, think about, put yourself in that position. This man, a man is going to come, is going to reestablish an earthly kingdom to reestablish the Israel, Israelite people. You think about in Jeremiah, this is one of those prophecies, one in which every Jewish person would know. Every Israelite have heard, has heard from the time that they were born. This prophecy in Jeremiah 23, verse number five through six would be this. It says, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do it. What he will do is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And here you are as an Israelite, here you are as a Jewish person living in Israel, and all you know is occupation after occupation after occupation. You've heard the stories of the Egyptian slavery that you lived in. You've heard the stories of the Babylonian exile. You've heard the the stories of the uh, Assyrian exile. You've heard the stories of all of this, and you are currently living under Roman occupation a foreign entity ruling in your land. Put yourself in that position. Maybe, just maybe, this man, Jesus, 
The stories that we've heard about this man that has been in Galilee, that has traveled throughout the land of Canaan, he's traveled throughout all of this area and he's done all these incredible things. These man, this man that has raised the dead, this man that has healed the sick and the lame, this man that has done these incredible things. I mean, this man that has walked on water, this man that took a, a, a lunch and multiplied it for 3,000 men and 5,000 men and 15,000 people. Ultimately, he multiplied this for countless people to eat. Is this the man that is gonna come along and reestablish our kingdom? Is he the one? You think all of Israel coming into Jerusalem, it's a, it's a moment in time celebrating the Passover. Thousands of people would descend upon Jerusalem at this moment in time from all around, all throughout Israel. And all of them are thinking maybe the same thing. Is this the man? Is this Jesus? Is this guy going to be the one that reestablishes our kingdom? You look at the story, Palm Sunday, we celebrated last week, but Jesus, as he walks into the city, everybody is in, um, in celebration of this man. I think that they are in this position, all these prophecies, all of this pain we are living in, in this occupation, and you can see it come out the moment they begin to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save, rescue, savior. Hosanna in the highest means rescue now, save now, do it now. They would be shouting things that would come from uh, Matthew in Matthew, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse number nine, where it would say, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. I mean, when you come in the name of the Lord, you come in the name of God. I mean, you come with that authority, you come with that power. And all these people are laying these palm branches down on victory, these things of success, like they're thinking, Jesus, this man, he's the one that is coming to finally fulfill the thousand, thousands of prophecies and the thousand year, um, the thousand years where Jesus or all these prophecies were given. They're saying, man, this is the guy that is going to do it. He's praised as he's walking into the city. Put yourself in that position as a person from Israel. The time is now. The time has come. This Roman occupation, all these years of other people telling us what to do. Today's the day. It's time. Now put yourself in Peter's position. The disciple Peter found himself as a boy growing up hearing all of these stories, the same stories. This kingdom would be established here on earth that this Messiah would come. You find yourself in school and you're learning about all of this. You're developing yourself to become a rabbi. You get to the age of 12 years old and you yourself don't necessarily cut it to be, begin to develop into a rabbi. Have somebody that you disciple underneath. So what do you do at the age of 12 like all the other kids that didn't get picked to follow a rabbi? You find yourself going back to your father's trade and from the age of 12, you find yourself waking up in the morning, tending the boat, tending the nets, making sure everything is ready, going out each day and fishing. You're, you know, you're sweaty, you're a rough man. Take that fish that you caught every single day, you take it back to the city, you sell it inside of the market and day after day, you're doing the exact same thing. 
But here comes a day that is not an ordinary day that you have, that this man comes along, this gifted communicator, this guy that looks at you and says, hey, uh, why don't you come follow me and I will make you into a fisher of men, telling them, hey, you, you have this ability today to fish in the natural, but let me help you become a developer, a, a, a develop you inside of your community. Let me help you develop inside of your community communication. And let me make you an incredible communicator, an incredible person that can captivate the minds of men and help them understand spiritual truths. I mean, I don't know if you ever had somebody inside of your life before that's come along and begin to look at the potential inside of you and begin to speak to that potential said, hey, hey, let me help you in this process. You got some gift, you got some talent, you got some uh, fortitude, you got some ability. I mean, let me take you and who you are and mentor you into somebody great. And, and that moment in time for you to say, man, I knew it, man, I knew I had it. Man, all these dreams that you had, you thought, man, oh, it's all coming to pass now. Every, all those other people, they didn't see it in me. All those other people didn't recognize it. All them other, they didn't, they just didn't, understand me. You know, Jesus would speak to this to talk about that, man, even a prophet isn't welcome in his own hometown. Jesus himself wasn't welcome in his own hometown. And it's funny how in life that people maybe that are closest to us don't necessarily see the true value that we have. It, Peter's in this place where he's like, oh, Jesus, man, this guy, he sees me and my potential. Yeah, I want to follow you. Yeah, I want to run with you. Yeah, I want to go with you. Yeah, I want to develop and become a rabbi myself. And here Peter takes up this call and uh, follows Jesus. And for the next three years, Peter finds himself close to Jesus, listening to his teachings, following everything that he did, everywhere that he went. Jesus sitting here like, man, this is the right of my life. I, uh, or Peter's here and like, this is the right of my life. I mean, I could have spent all of my time just in this town and, uh, or in this region of Galilee. I could have just been here and just been a fisher for all of my life. But here I am, I got called and now I get to travel all throughout Israel and I get to go communicate God's truth to people. Man, I'm living the dream, living the life. And in this process, he's developing, he's close to Jesus. He's a part of the inner circle with Jesus. He's one of Jesus' best friends. He's learning and becoming and knowing everything that Jesus was. He's knowing it and becoming it. And here comes Jesus coming to the end of his ministry and all of a sudden the tune changes and Jesus begins to prepare his disciples for what's to come. Here's a quick glimpse of, of how it kind of goes down. In Matthew 16, verse number 15, it says, Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. The story goes down as coming to the end of this ministry, Jesus is wanting to know, who do people say that I am? And Peter had the right answer. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the one that has been spoken about for thousands of years and through a thousand prophecies. You are the Messiah that is coming. He had an understanding of who Jesus was. 
But you flip on down and Jesus goes on to say in verse number 21, he says, from then Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to that he would suffer many troubles, trouble things at the hands of the elders, the leading priest and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Verse 22 says, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. He said, heaven forbid, Lord. Then he goes on to say, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Here you have Peter, spent three years with Jesus, spending time with him to become everything that he is. He truly believes he is the Messiah. Everything that has been prophesied, this is the guy and I'm close to him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to articulate that he's going to be handed over and he's going to be killed. The problem inside of this story is, Peter, you put himself in that position. He has this guy that he's been with for a long period of time. He sees this guy do these incredible things, all of these miracles. He is there at the transfiguration where God speaks down that this is my son. This is my son. He's there. He sees the glory of Jesus. He sees it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to articulate that the plan of God is not for him to establish a kingdom here on this earth. The plan of God is for him to be handed over and that he would be crucified, but he would be raised from the dead. The problem with Peter is not that he understood, is not that he saw Jesus as the Messiah or didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed he was the Messiah. The problem with Peter was he had expectations on what the Messiah would do. He had expectations on who and what the Messiah would do. He had these expectations. And when his expectations were not being met as far as his plan, he tries to come and rebuke Jesus. And I love inside of this story because Jesus has to bring some context here is when, when you think from a human perspective, your personal desires will not line up with God's plan. Your personal desires are going to leave you with a void between God's plan and your expectations. Jesus, this is when he talks to him and says, you're thinking from a human point of view, not from God's perspective. Thinking from a human point of view, Peter found himself with expectations on what he thought the Messiah was going to do. But in reality, God's plan was something far different. So here's how the Easter story goes. Jesus, after rolling into Jerusalem, praised as a king, a spiritual redeemer to reestablish the kingdom. He spends time in confrontation with the Sanhedrin. He spends time with his disciple, further talking about the kingdom. And it comes into this moment on Thursday night, hanging out with his disciples, has communion with them. As often as you do this, remember my sacrifice. Remember my body, which was broken for you. Remember the new covenant between you and humanity. From here, he would go into a time of prayer with his disciples of which they would all fall asleep on him. All in this moment to be given over 
when the Sanhedrin and the officials, they come and capture him. They come and grab him. Here's Peter, pulls out a sword, cuts off of an ear. Jesus says, put down the sword. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Picks up the ear, puts it back and reattaches it back on the man. Jesus gives himself over just as he said he would do to the religious officials. Jesus is taken to a home of Ananias. From there, he'd be taken over to uh, Caiaphas. From there, he's taken over to Pilate, the Roman governor at that moment in time. The Roman officials like, who am I to judge this man? You guys judge him for yourself. They've already judged that they wanted to kill Jesus. He was a threat to their political power. He was a threat to their religious institution. He found himself at odds with the Sanhedrin and they have already decided we are going to kill this man. They've been trying to kill him for a long time. So they take him to the Roman governor. Pilate says, you deal with him. They say, no, this man has called himself a king of the Jews. He's called himself a king and we serve no other king, they would say, other than Caesar. Pilate would bring him back in and there's this really interesting interaction that happens between Pilate and Jesus. And this is the moment in time where Jesus is clarifying about his kingdom. He's clarifying what his kingdom would be. After this interaction that Pilate would have with the Jewish people, he would come back in in John 18, verse number 33, and he says, then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is, there, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Pilate would go on to say, am I a Jew? Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why, why, what have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said to him, so are you a king? Jesus responded, you say it. You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. This interesting interaction here that is going on between Pilate and Jesus and in this interaction, Jesus clearly is stating that his kingdom is not, not of this world. He did not come to establish a kingdom here on this earth, but his kingdom was in heaven to establish a new kingdom of heaven. Now, the problem inside of this story is that all these individuals, Israel didn't understand that. Peter didn't understand that. And with that, everybody in this process abandoned Jesus. In this process, Peter, standing outside of Ananias' house, would deny Jesus that he even knew Jesus three times. The rooster crowed immediately after that third time. Where's his disciples? They all abandoned him. Where's all of his followers? They're all gone. They left. They're, this isn't the guy anymore. He, he's, he's not going to do what we thought he was going to do. Pontius Pilate, Pilate would turn him over to the Roman guards. Jesus would march up to Golgotha Hill and Jesus would hang on a cross. Jesus would be crucified. The only people at the crucifixion are a few followers that were watching from a distance. You get Jesus' mom, her sister, and then the disciple John that are, is there with a few Roman guards that are carrying out the crucifixion. Picture the weight of this moment 
Check, check out the weight of this moment. Thousands of followers followed Jesus all throughout Galilee. Thousands of people saw him do miraculous things. Twelve disciples followed him around doing and becoming everything that Jesus was. But here he is at this moment in time, the most epic, critical moment in the whole purpose of why Jesus came to this earth. And Jesus is abandoned. There's just a few Roman guards. It's one disciple, Jesus' mom and her sister. Jesus has been beat to a smithereen. He's hanging on a cross, hanging on to his life at that moment in time, knowing that this is the moment in time that God had planned and prepared for him, that he would lay down his life, that he would be the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb that was slain, the first the, the last sacrifice for all of humanity that no longer would it be necessary for a blood sacrifice to be given because the perfect sacrifice was given. Jesus, the Son of God. All of humanity now with this revelation and this reality that the kingdom that was being set up is not a kingdom of this earth, that it was a kingdom in heaven. This, this savior that was coming was not a savior for this earth. It was a savior for our souls. It was a savior, an eternal savior, an eternal peace that we would have for our souls. Everybody abandoned him. But the beauty is that Jesus said he wasn't abandoned, that his father was with him. In John 16, it says this, Jesus talking to his followers, and this kind of brings everything together. He says, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is bringing some clarity that man, everybody, he told them already, you, you're gonna be scattered, you're going to abandon me. That's okay. He says, I'm not alone, my father is with me. My father is with me, I'm not alone. But you can have peace in me because of what I am doing. You can have peace here on this earth in me because of what I'm doing. Take heart because I've overcome the world. What is that? Jesus, by dying on a cross, he's conquered death. He's conquered the uh, hell, the plan that Satan has laid out on you know, killing the, uh, Jesus. And he's conquered the grave. Jesus laying down his life on Friday, we find two days later that he's put into a, a tomb in this process and that tomb is empty on Sunday. Everybody that thought Jesus and everything that he said was not true. Everybody that abandoned him to think that our expectation was for him to do this and because he's not doing that and he's dying, we're, we're walking away. Everybody that doubted, Friday came, the Easter story came alive. The stone was rolled back and Jesus walked 
out of the tomb. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus comes out of the tomb, and the first thing he does when he comes out of the tomb is he walks right to his disciples. The road to Emmaus, he hangs out with a couple people that he begins to articulate who he truly was. They didn't understand it, who he truly was, but then it was revealed to their eyes, and they, they, they came to the, an understanding that this man that they were with meant that was Jesus, that was the Messiah. Jesus would go from this walk to Emmaus, and he would walk into the home with all these disciples, these individuals that had doubt. They hoped Jesus died, then they had doubt. Is this really the Messiah? What does this mean? What does this all come to? And then Jesus walks through the, the wall of the home where a doubting Thomas is sitting there, holes in his hand. and Thomas is able to put his hands through and all of this doubt that they had now is coming to an understanding, this, un, this clear understanding on Everything Jesus said, everything he told us three times up until this moment has come true. He would be handed over. He would be killed, but he would be raised from the dead. This is the story of Easter. This is the thing that we celebrate, that the hope that we have in Jesus is true. Everything that he said he would do, he did. And today we have peace inside of our heart because the peace we're looking for is not gonna come from an earthly reality. It's gonna come from a spiritual reality. Hope is alive. I mean, as we talked about, the setting expectations around individuals or circumstances that may not necessarily be reality in life. Have you ever been there where you did that? And in life, we, we tend to find ourselves in a place where we'll write people off or we'll write situations off simply because it doesn't meet our expectations. Uh, the frustration around that. You know, for, uh, for me, there's been moments and times where I thought a career or a job or a circumstance was supposed to go my way or was supposed to come out this way or it was supposed to be this way or this person was supposed to act this way. And in these seasons where people didn't live up to my expectation, there was frustration all around my life. I began to write people off, situations off, things off, simply because it was my personal desire on the way things should be or who somebody should be. You know, when there's this gap between our personal desires and the actual reality, sometimes in life, it leads us to write things off. And maybe today, if you're here, you're sitting here on your screen, your TV, th this is sounding a lot like maybe some of your circumstances, maybe some people around you inside of your life, maybe with a business that you started or from friends around you. They're just not living up to your expectations. They're just not doing what you want them to do. And, and today, rather than taking responsibility for your actions or maybe taking responsibility for your part to play in that, maybe you started to turn your eyes towards heaven and say, God, do you just not care? God, are you, do you not want me to succeed? In all your frustration, here you are today, you're, you're living with disappointment. And maybe you're pushing away from God in that. I mean, think about your marriage. Like, God, I'm praying over this thing. I'm, I'm praying that this thing's going to work out. And, and here today, it seems like there's still some struggles and some pain and things around you. Man, challenges inside of life whenever we have expectation they don't necessarily meet reality. That distance creates a lot of disappointment. And I hope today that you're not here blaming God 
I hope today as we are on this Easter Sunday and, and you're looking through a lens that is, is far different than maybe a human mind as Jesus would, would speak to Peter about. You're just looking from a human perspective, but you can pull back and look from God's perspective. Picture yourself in Israel's position, Peter's position. Expectation did not meet reality. And what did they do? They abandoned and they scattered. But Jesus is saying, hey, there's a time coming when you are going to scatter. But the cool thing is, he's like, dude, I'm not alone. My father is with me. But he's, he says, he goes on to say, I told you all of this, that you may have peace in me. You have an understanding of the process of what this is all about. I'm coming to do something different than your expectation, but that's cool. You're going to abandon me. My father's with me. That's cool. I'm good, but I'm doing what I'm doing that you may have peace. Take heart for I've overcome the world. And I pray today with all expectation that you have, all the frustration, maybe you are walking in on circumstances and people and situations that you're going through, career, job, relationship, all of this stuff that is not meeting your expectation, that you don't lose sight of the peace that Jesus came to give us through the cross, that we can look at this and truly celebrate today to say, man, thank Jesus that man, he didn't give up whenever he was being beat. Thank Jesus that he didn't give up when he was hanging on a cross. Thank Jesus that he looked down and said, I will be the one and last sacrifice. I will be the perfect sacrifice for all of humanity that comes to me. No longer do they have to go through the old method, but they just got to come to me. Maybe you are sitting here today saying, man, I'm living in frustration and disappointment. And maybe I have doubt that God even cares for my situation. Maybe you are here and you're watching this because somebody told you to watch it and you, you've walked away from God. You've abandoned Jesus a long time ago. Maybe your expectations were misplaced and you gave up hope simply because of your own desire, but not necessarily God's plan. If you're sitting here today, God's plan is that all would come to know him by coming to his son, Jesus, which is the perfect sacrifice. That hope is alive. Hope is alive. The, the one that said he would live and die and be raised to life, it actually happened. His disciples saw it. His disciples saw it. Man, countless people saw it the moment that Jesus was raised to life. Peter, even himself in his misexpectations, abandoned Jesus, went back to fishing and Jesus went right back to him and confronted him and began to recommission him to go and feed his sheep. All of this is a plan by God to draw all men unto himself, to give them the ultimate peace that they need inside of their souls and not necessarily peace that's gonna come from this earth. Maybe inside of your life, you've lived with expectations on what you want to see happen here on this earth, but God's plan was something far different. And with that, today you can come back to Jesus. You can submit yourself to the process and the plan that God has for you in your life, knowing that trials and sorrows will come, but you can take heart because Jesus has already given you peace inside of your soul. Your eyes have been lifted from this, this present life and your eyes are looking on the eternal future that you have in heaven. Your soul is secure in Jesus Christ and no longer are you worried about these present circumstances, but you are here today to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus, and you can come back to him and turn your life back over to him and thank him for what he has done for you. You know, Romans would talk about this. 
Romans would say it very clearly. If you open, uh, openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, it goes on. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you are here today, let's celebrate what Jesus has done on the cross. All of our mis-expectation, all of our lack of understanding, of what God's plan is. Maybe we can come back to this moment and say, in this moment, with all the chaos, with all the um, plan that God had for all of humanity, I can receive with peace inside of my life. I have eternal security. Hope is alive. Come on, as we live here today, as we celebrate here today, never forget that hope is alive. We get Jesus. We get the spirit of God. Jesus died as a man, but he was raised to life. And he sent the Holy Spirit that we would never be left alone without the presence of God being here to empower us and strengthen us to resist the devil that just like he overcame, we can overcome because we got an eternal hope. And man, we're not looking for present. Um, we're not looking for uh, this world to be our answer. We know our answers in Jesus Christ. Hope is alive. Let's celebrate here today that hope is alive. We have everything we need in Jesus. Come on, let's celebrate today. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in, in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.